Hello, friends, and welcome to Coach Cuts Corner. Streaming bright from Michigan's capital city, this podcast is dedicated to helping you better understand the who, the what, and the why of mental performance, personal growth, and Lansing Stars baseball. Coach Cuts Corner, brought to you by iWash. In collaboration with Lansing Community College. And now here's your host, Stephen Cutter. Welcome to Coach Cuts Corner. Today we have Hayden Modaff, assistant coach and recruiting coordinator. Today we're going to break down the Stars 23 season outlook and also what we look for in recruits. Hayden, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. What brought you to Lansing? I had worked with you for the previous three seasons, I believe. I uh, grew up, played baseball my whole life. When I get to college, I had some experiences with coaching that I was searching for something better. I love the game. I was searching for a way to make an impact on it and make an impact in the lives of kids like me who were looking for something more. I wanted to be someone that could provide something more and something beneficial. You gave me such an opportunity to do that. It, it was coaching unlike I'd ever seen kind of growing up. It just felt right. And I wanted to be along for the ride and provide support in any way I could. That's excellent. Thank you. You know, last season, the Stars broke a lot of records. Mm -hmm. You know, they went 44 and 11, yep. went to the College World Series, fifth place in the country, all these special things. We saw a dog pile in a super regional. We saw a team that was somewhat decimated when we came in, meaning anytime you have a coaching change in college yep. sports, kids either leave or recruits just don't show up because yep. of the uncertainty. And we started in uh, late August and we started playing a couple weeks later. Everything wraps up in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. You know, what what was that 996 mile bus ride like for you? You know, what was going through your head? Because I know what was going through my head and it was it was somewhat of an emotional time as as we're heading out there and we pull into the hotel in Enid, Oklahoma, and there's not only parents, but there's a little league team and there's signs and there's, yeah. there's, uh, it was just somewhat surreal from where we started mm -hmm. to where we finished at. And yeah. I often said that like that team, and I, I think I probably always will, that team was full of overachievers and, yeah. and they really, really just did far more than maybe even what they thought they were capable of doing for sure and you know as I, as i broke down you know coming in it was important to kind of understand for me what it took to not only get there but to win one mm -hmm. and an average division two junior college national champion or runner-up is going to use 14 to 15 pitchers yeah. that are going to throw double digit innings last season we used seven you know, yeah. so it's it pretty incredible. But what was that experience like for you in Oklahoma? Yeah, I have a lot of trouble as a person enjoying things in the moment. I don't really take a lot of time to look around and say, wow, this is unreal. So pretty much as soon as we got on the bus, my focus turned from I'm just happy we're still playing to, well, we might as well go there and win it now. The bus ride felt a lot shorter than uh, a thousand miles. It kind of went by in a blur 
think our stay there went by in a blur. We had awesome support from the community, from, you know, our fans that had followed us the whole year, from the Little League team that was with us. It was really awesome. And I think it hit me once we actually got back to Lansing after our season ended and probably took a couple days, you know, to regroup and, and focus and process all my thoughts. And that's when it hit me of like, wow, we were one of the last five teams in the country playing. We did something that in our first year that that people have spent careers chasing and never been able to grasp. That is something that I think I'll never forget, even if in the moment I didn't really uh, view it as the most monumental thing in my life. It's definitely now something that's extremely special and just sharing it with that team that that overcame a loss of a coach, the whole COVID pandemic, in a historic season that ended kind of in heartbreaking fashion the year prior, it was really a special moment. And it was a culmination of, of so much that, that we had put into it and that they had put into it because if they, if they don't believe in, in the vision that is not, it's not coming to be. So we got back on the first of June and I remember taking about six hours after we got back and started working on this coming season because mm -hmm. I knew that fall ball was going to start on August 10th. And it was really, we were bringing in our first recruiting class and you handle the bulk of the recruiting. You're on the road on weekends. You're, you're doing a lot. You're on your phone constantly because, <laughs> because that's how you connect with, you yeah. know, today's age that it's, it's through the phone. It's, it's less in person and through the phone. Mm -hmm. How do you want to really talk about your first recruiting class? Because as we hit the ground running in August, we went from a team that had 27 players to a team that had 45 players. It was significantly different. Yeah. What do you look for in Stars players? Because it's a little bit different here. Yeah, that's a great question. The awesome thing about it's not what I'm looking for. It's really what we're looking for as a program. It's, it's, a, it's extremely collaborative where you have kind of an archetype you're looking for and it's mutually agreed upon between you and I and coach Helmick who helps a lot with the recruiting as well from there it's just finding the right fits and thing is is everybody wants to play in a winning program or, or most people do but most don't actually buy in and want to do what it takes why do you say most people do I think there's some people that would be comfortable going 0-50 as long as they were starting in center field and batting four. You know, it's that's very true. It's people that you know it really is selfless. Where I think you know we've got a roster of 45 this year, and I think on the position player side that of all those guys, whether they get you know 200 at bats this year or whether they get two at bats, every single one of them could start on another roster in, in our conference. So it's a special place to be, and it, it requires something more, some some selflessness. And from what we're looking for, it, we look for, obviously, the, the measurables with what type of athletes they are, what type of build they have, how they keep themselves in shape body-wise. But more importantly, I think we're, we're looking for intangibles. And, and something I like to say to Coach Cutter, and, and he'll say the same to me, is if we got, you know, a nickel for every time we had an email that said, I'm the hardest working kid you'll ever see, we'd be billionaires by now. So agree. the tough thing is you want to quantify things or, or we want to quantify things. When people say hard work, hard work to you and to me and to anybody else 
is all defined by what they think hard work is. So somebody might think waking up at 6 a.m. to do a lift, we don't do that much here, but somebody working up, waking up at 6 a.m. might be the hardest thing they've ever done in their life, where their roommate, it might be one of the easiest things of the day. You know, it's, it's really, a, like I said, a collaborative effort, and it's, it's something that, you know, I'm a year and a half into this is still evolving immensely. You know, you, t- you talked about a couple things, hard work, selflessness. You know, when I think about hard work, mm-hmm. I, I think about when that's said, there's another word, people call it grinding. <laughs> and what I think is more important is that if you, in your life, if you can find something that you're truly passionate about, yeah. you know, something that you're truly passionate about, something you love to do, you can work 20 out of 24 hours and you never sit back and think, wow, that was hard work or yeah. wow, that was a grind. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to go off a little bit, we're, we're getting ready to, um, you know, do some serious traveling with the spring trip that's coming up pretty soon. Yeah. You know, the, those boys and coaches are going to spend 45 hours on a bus over 10 or 12 days, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, if, if you love what you're doing, that's not a grind. Exactly. So I want I want to go back into selflessness because we were talking about that. You mentioned it a little bit, mm-hmm. and we're naturally born selfish. Our mind oh, yeah. our mind is constantly scanning, and it's scanning to keep us alive. And yep. so there's a natural natural selfishness that's built into all of us. Yeah. And when you put a bunch of selfish people on a team then that's why you end up getting a lot of normal things. And if you want to have abnormal stuff, you've got to teach that selflessness. And that selflessness can come through a lot of different forms. It can come from looking at a team photo. When everybody looks at a team photo, what's the first thing that they do? (laughs) They look at themselves Mm -hmm. and then they look at everybody else. You know, you start, you start teaching that piece of selflessness. What, what does that look like? And it's it's just one of those really dynamic things because people really worry about what other people are thinking about them, you yeah. know, and they're constantly, you know, worried what this person or that person might think. What they fail to realize is that the other people aren't worried about them. They're worried about themselves because we're naturally selfish. So it ends up being one of those things where the more things that you can do for other people, the more you can kind of put yourself on the back burner, the more you can serve others, that stuff will come back and serve you one way, shape or form. It might just be in getting a solid night of sleep just because you feel better about what happened, Mm -hmm. but it's going to come back to you. And when teams look like that, when they're selfless teams, that those are those are what great teams look like and you, and you can look in hockey you can look in basketball yep. you can you any sport doesn't matter you dive into what those teams look like you're going to see either super selfish teams or selfless teams yep. it talent matters but you can go back to the Lakers team a few years ago and they had just a bazillion all-stars and and all this special stuff and i think they won like 45 games that year yep. i mean it Talent only takes you so far. For sure. And when when you have a team full of egos or selfishness, that's kind of what happens. So I want to transition a little bit as we talk about the upcoming season. You know, we talked about a roster of 45 players. We've got a lot of newcomers. Some of them are are transfers in. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about a few of the newcomers that you're most excited about? Yeah. Yeah. I'll start 
kind of local here with Lansing. I'm I'm super excited to to see what Talon Rowe has in store for us this year. He is one of the best hitters I've seen in a long time, just kind of naturally gifted. True freshman. True yeah. freshman, yep, from Mason. And I think he's somebody that was overlooked. And he's kind of the stereotypical JUCO guy from... I'm, aren't most of the junior college kids across America, aren't they overlooked in one way, shape, or form for whatever reason it might be? I mean, because they made TV shows on Prime and, and the rest of those stations that they call them like Last Chance You. And it was it was a reason because... The when the kids are a freshman or a sophomore or junior in high school, they're not saying I want to go to community college across America. They're just they're they're not saying that. They're, and so in a lot of ways, our entire rosters overlooked one way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's that's true. I think we've got to be careful with that though, where some probably do fit, you know, at a two year way. But I would say at least most on our roster have been overlooked for some reason. And they're out to prove that that was a mistake. And so Talon is Talon is just a pure hitter. I, I can't wait to see what he does. Just kind of freakish pop. You look at him. What's he gained? Twenty pounds of muscle and kept his body fat. He's just kind of a kind of a freak. Three percent freak from the strength side. He's a left-handed sweet stroke. It's in a small ballpark. He's going to be an absolute delight to watch. Uh, from the from the outfield perspective, I, I think Preston Leon is going to be pretty fun to watch. Speedy, it's going to be fun watching him and Hunter and and uh, Mazzola battle it out for kind of the stolen base record again this year. He's a transfer from Bowling Green, and he was a D1 guy. He kicked back to us this winter. Transfer portal, I hope we can uh, kind of wrap back into that today a little bit. What about from the arm side? Yeah, I think some of my some of my favorites to watch. I, I think there's I like Sean Bartlett a lot. He's a he's a guy that was like I, like we said overlooked. He when he came to work out for us in last fall, he was 82 to 84. His best pit or his first throw warming up to our pitcher hit the hit the ceiling, and I was like, oh boy, like who did I bring in here? This is a mistake. And then he just proceeded to kind of dot up the zone with 82 to 84. He was, you know, going back into recruiting. He was awesome on the phone. He had, you know, one of the main things we look for is a growth mindset. And on the phone, he displayed it. We test for it, too. Not yeah. To, not just look for it, but we test for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And and for for guys that kind of have a fixed mindset, we work to change it. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. But with, with Bartlett... He's somebody that throughout the winter and throughout the spring was constantly texting me about how how much or what he was doing, seeing if that was in line with what we thought and giving me updates on on progress. And he didn't he pitched a little bit for his high school team, but not a ton. And then in the summer, he was from what I've been told, he was like the, you know, he, he was going to be kind of the garbage innings guy. He was going to pitch in games where everybody was tired and all that. And he got one opportunity and he shoved and he was, you know, 87 to 89. And then he just kind of ran with it. And so he's somebody that I'm really excited to see, uh, watch his role, you know, develop as the season gets along. And kind of another arm is, I think, Will Case. And he threw this weekend and, and you can go into kind of detail yeah. on Will. Yeah, he once scored 40 points in a basketball game, yeah. six touchdowns. I mean, he threw a no-hitter. He just uh, he was small small town. He's kid. a winner, 
and <clears throat> he just knew how to win. Yep. And he's special, six foot four, throws hard, is a competitor, is one of the nicest kids you'll ever meet in your life. Yep. And that kind of fits the mold here. We we might have a large roster of forty five kids, but they're really very similar in who they are off the field and they're somewhat similar on who they are on the field. And that that's that's good to see. It makes you smile at different points. It's it's special. Absolutely. As we get ready for the season, we've got a lot of newcomers. What are you most excited about as the season's getting ready to kick off? I think we set the bar really high with our first year. And I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that there are going to be a lot of areas where where we leap over it. And I can't wait to see see what... I mean, I know that we're going to continue to grow. I think the most exciting thing is is we're still learning and getting better and you know it's we're gonna have a ton of success this year i think it's kind of going to be unpredictable success where things are going to surprise us where wow we really turned it up in this category i didn't even know this is somewhere we were behind but i think we're gonna win a lot we're gonna hit a lot of home runs we're gonna see a lot of bases we're gonna strike a lot of people out and i think overall i think the most exciting part is just refining the process and you know, what this program looks like this year is so much better than what it was last year. And last year, it was one of the best in the country. So this year, it's it's even better. And, and the most exciting part is, is wow, I can't, I can't believe what this year is going to look like success-wise. But knowing next year, it's going to be an even different level. And that's I think that's what I'm most excited for is it's just – you know, just constant stepping stones and, and stepping up. And that's what you're looking for in life too. Yep. Whether it's every day, every week, every month, you know, or if it's a new year's resolution that doesn't typically work anyway, but <laughs> you're, you're trying to get better and you're trying to, to trying to raise that bar constantly. And, yeah. and sometimes in life, you got to set that bar way, way, way down so you can gain a little bit of confidence and get over that bar and go to go to the next bar. I think I'm most excited about this upcoming season is really playing at home. Yeah. Uh, when we actually get to play at Kircher Municipal Stadium, we've will have been on a 53 game road trip <laughs> when we get to play our first game later this season mm -hmm. it's it's incredible i mean yeah. that that includes you know falls super regionals world series you know we played yeah. a 28 game fall season so um we've been away from from home for a long time and and it doesn't matter what sport you you have home field advantage matters yeah it it matters for and sure. there, there's there's a reason why the super bowl is played at a <laughs> supposed to be played at a neutral site yeah. you know it matters a lot so i'm most excited to get back at home we have an incredible environment um we have tailgaters it's it's just kircher municipal stadium has so much history it, yeah. There's so many greats that have played baseball there. You know, at at some point in June, we're actually bringing back the high school all star game. That yes. that's been dormant for a long time. So um, the they've had the softball high school softball all-star game going and mm -hmm. this is something that I kind of took to heart when I noticed that the baseball was not happening anymore we're, we're, we're bringing that back so yeah. there's there's a, so many exciting things that are, are going to be happening not only on the field but off the field and and I think that's kind of what what fires me up the most is absolutely is, and, and that's what pushes you to continue getting mm -hmm. better and we say things like what is possible yeah. and instead of saying what is possible with a question mark it's what 
with an exclamation point is possible, you know, with, with another exclamation point. For sure. And that's, that's the beauty of sports. It's the beauty of life. And like I said, I'm just uh, overly joyed not only to have an incredible coaching staff, but have an incredible community, have incredible support from mm -hmm. our college, and have the type of kids that, that you've helped bring into this program. It is extremely special. And whether we win every game that this team plays this year or we lose every game yeah. this team plays this year, it's not going to matter because the, the things that, that we're doing outside mm -hmm. of the field is going to transcend this season. And if we do a good enough job, it's going to transcend 10 years yeah. or 20 years. And that's what really matters. For sure. Coach Cut's Corner is recorded live in the WLNZ studios. Engineering and production assistance are provided by Dedalian Lowry. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it and follow us on all the platforms of social media. You can find more about our program at lccstars.com. And donations to our baseball program can be made at the same site. See you next time. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, Mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College is a proud collaborator of the Mason Promise Scholarship. The Mason Promise Scholarship is a community organization of volunteers that guarantees funding for two years of Lansing Community College education to selected Mason Public School students. For more information on the Mason Promise Scholarship at LCC, please visit lcc.edu slash hope. When might you be buzzed? When you suddenly love everything. You guys, I love this song. I love these nachos. I love our kickball league. Ugh. I love this guy. What's your name? You know what I love? A ride when it's time to head out. If you see a buzzed warning sign, call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. I love your car. Is this real leather? Michigan residents age 25 or older may qualify for Michigan ReConnect, a program providing free or reduced tuition to students who have not earned a prior college degree. ReConnect students are responsible for books and fees. Visit lcc.edu slash reconnect for more information. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. We but mirror the world. All the tendencies present in the outer world are to be found within us. If we change ourselves, the tendencies in the world will also change. This paraphrased quote from Mahatma Gandhi is the basis of the program you are about to hear. I'm Dedalian, and this is Shining Stars.
a program dedicated to searching out and bringing attention to individuals and organizations that are fostering positive change within our community and within our world. Thanks, as always, for joining me here on Shining Stars. Now, if you're a resident of the Lansing area, you've probably heard of the Crystal Ray Community Center. For over 50 years, it has been a part of our community, providing basic needs services to the poor and vulnerable, emphasizing physical and behavioral health care, counseling, and basic needs such as food, clothing, and personal hygiene access. With me in the studio today is Joe Garcia. 30 years before becoming the Chief Executive Officer of Crystal Ray, Joe volunteered for the organization as a career counselor. Between these two roles, he has had a fulfilling career spanning several professional sectors, including nonprofit, Fortune 100 management, public administration, and entrepreneurship. Joe ensures high quality safety net services are available to the poor and vulnerable here in our community. At the same time, he is educating local government and business leaders on effective methods of involvement and collaboration. Now, Joe's got himself two degrees, a Bachelor of Science degree in Communication and Spanish from Western Michigan University, and then he followed that up with an MBA from Northwood University. That is quite the resume, Joe. Oh, thank you. And it is awesome to have you a part of our community as well. Got to say thanks for coming in to the show to talk about the Crystal Ray Community Center. Tell me a little bit about the organization, its mission, what it does here. I mean, I, I of course, brushed on it a little bit here, but you, you're going to explain it a lot better detail than I can. So, Well, great and happy to. Uh, Crystal Ray Community Center is a safety net organization. Mm -hmm. We're here to meet the needs of the poor and vulnerable. We've been doing that for a little over 55 years. Okay. So what does that mean? We're providing medical care. We work with folks who are in recovery through that recovery journey. So substance use disorder counseling mm -hmm. and the wraparound services around that. We have a partnership with the city of Lansing called Financial Empowerment. Mm -hmm. And that is where we're helping individuals get on the right sides of their budgets, be strategic with their dollars, and also to help them utilize other community resources. And then uh, last but certainly not least, uh, we operate in the space of uh, of direct assistance. So that's food, pantry food items, but also hot breakfast, hot, uh, hot lunches, as well as personal need items and a clothing closet. And so we do that uh, all under, under one roof. Okay. All right. This is connected to the church, right? Yes, um, we are. Um, we are part of the diocese of Lansing. Okay. We, we, however, are a self-sufficient organization. We're our own five hundred one c three, our own EIN number, and uh, we work to be a self-sufficient organization, which we are. Okay. How do people end up coming across you? Like, for instance, the thing I know about Criso Ray is the event that happens every year. But how do you try to get the word out about what you do to the people that need to know? Well, certainly. And it's, it's, it's uh, funny that you mentioned the, uh, the event that happens every year at Cristo Rey Catholic Church, okay. which d has nothing to do with the Cristo Rey Community Center. And that's what I wanted to know. Well, there you go. And the, the church is on the south end of town and we are mm -hmm. on the north end. There we but, go. but how do people learn about uh, Cristo Rey? I would say through word of mouth. Okay. Um, 
because uh, again, who we are helping are are people with uh, with lower means, and they might not have, let's say, the the access to the social communication that that exists out there to you know your Facebook or your digital advertising or whatnot um, to to see that. So a lot of it is word of mouth. So people getting help, sharing their good experiences with others, as well as we work with other nonprofits in the community so that they are aware of what we do so they can refer people over to us that we can help and vice versa. You know, I'm gonna jump right into an overused analogy that I use. In the nonprofit space, we are David's fighting Goliath-sized problems. Okay. In the nonprofit community, we cannot afford to work and think as individual organizations. We have to come together. Okay. Um, and that's that's really important for us nonprofits to have the the effectiveness in the community that, that needs to happen. Very cool. I'm glad we actually covered that because I, I actually believe that I am not the only one. Because when I started diving into the website, I was like, okay, this is not the same thing that I thought it was. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we clarified that. Tell me a little bit about when I hear CEO, automatically I think of Fortune 500 company mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. What is the day in the life of a CEO for this type of an organization? Well, it uh, it's unique. Um in the nonprofit environment, we wear a lot of hats. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, if the hat doesn't fit, we put string around it so it'll stay on your head. <laughs> so so what do I do in a day? It can be a lot of different things. I can be involved in meetings with our state and lo- local government representatives, helping to have an effect on policy and change that it will benefit our community. Heck, I might be out there troubleshooting uh, an IT issue that I shouldn't be involved with. And everything about uh, anything and everything in between there, you know, maybe I've uh, helped address some plumbing issues in the past, you know, those kind of things. So nothing is off limits. And, you know, which is the beauty of working in a nonprofit, you do what's needed and you do it with a smile on your face. And it sounds like you've been with the organization for quite a while now. Almost 10 years. Almost 10, years? 10 years, okay. So what was it that uh, originally you were, because it said 30 years ago in your biography that, mm-hmm. that you originally were a career counselor, so you left and came back. I did, I did. Okay. So I'll share a story. Please. Okay. So back in the early 90s, when I was in school, my uncle, who happened to work at Cristo Rey Community Center as the employment and training director, he asked slash told me to come and volunteer. Mm-hmm. And in my family, when your relatives tell you to do something, you Voluntold, do it with, yeah. yeah, you do it with a smile on your face. So I happily did it. I happily came in and volunteered. And I will tell you what, uh, my role in that department, I, I helped people write resumes and we practice interview skills. I really loved it. And I'll tell you what I loved the most. I loved the sidebar conversations, the conversations about opportunities. It's like what this new job would bring from an opportunity standpoint. Just, you know, loved that. It made me feel good. And it was motivating to make sure that their resumes looked good as well as their practicing their, you know, how to respond to an interview question was effective. Mm-hmm. But, uh, my uncle Sam is that Sam is his name. He had um, he had a specific reason for me to do the type of volunteerism that I was doing, but I didn't know that at the time. And for that to make sense, I'm gonna I'm moving you along a timeline. So I, we were at the early '90s. Now I'm gonna take you to the late '50s, 1958, 59. 
um, and share a little bit about my dad, about my family. Okay. So at that time, mom and dad and brothers and sisters, I wasn't born yet. They, they lived on the parish grounds of St. Cornelius, and that's a small little church in Leslie. Leslie's just south of here. It's a farming community. Dad drove bus, and he was a groundskeeper. People liked him. He worked hard. Around that time, opportunities presented themselves for the railroad, Grand Trunk Railroad. And dad went to inquire, handed him a, a job application to fill out. Now, my mom and dad could barely read and write in Spanish, let alone in English. So okay. that was going to be something that dad was going to need to get some help to accomplish that task, mm -hmm. something that, that he would never have relished. But understanding the importance of it, you know, he sought help. And he happened to go to the priest on uh, where he worked. And that parish priest gladly helped him fill out the job application. He also gave him a few pointers to say when uh, he dropped off his application. Mm -hmm. Now to shorten the story, dad got the job and it changed our lives. It absolutely changed the trajectory of our future. Very soon after we were in our own home, we all had, all the siblings had an opportunity for a wonderful education. And you know, like, like myself, here, here I am, I'm the son of, of parents who didn't pass more than the equivalence of third grade and I have an MBA. So it created a lot of opportunity for us. That Uncle Sam of mine, the reason that again, back to why I volunteered and for what, uh, in what capacity, is Sam wanted me to, to experience the other end of what was given to dad so many years earlier. Mm -hmm. And now um, my father and some uncles eventually then, then turned around and helped Sam get more education in, in Mexico to ultimately when he came here to be able to hold a professional job. But back to it, there's that experience that Sam created. Why I share that story in this context is that it's also a really good example of Cristo Rey. We're here to help people wherever they're at. Mm -hmm. And it might be helping them for the day with some clothing items. It might be for a, a week, a month in needing uh, help with food and food access. Or could help change someone's life forever like it did in our family. Very cool. And that's, that's who we are. That's what we're all about. I feel like Uncle Sam's a little sneaky. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was a little sneaky. Yeah, he uh, was, he was. So it seems like he kind of gave you some sort of trajectory as to what you're doing now originally. Is that what you always anticipated doing when you were younger? You know, um, sort of, mm -hmm. sort of. And I wanna, I, I, I'll answer that direct question then I wanna go back to one. But uh, I'll tell you what, first generation American, son of migrant parents, you know, the opportunities that were presented to me, I was really grateful for them. And I had made a personal commitment to myself that after I got my degree, my bachelor's degrees, I was going to work for a nonprofit and I was going to do that for five years. So I gave myself a five-year commitment. So after I graduated, I specifically sought out nonprofit jobs and I ended up working for an organization that ran Head Start programs. Uh, and this one happened to work specifically with migrant Head Start programs. Great work, loved it. Was involved uh, in a lot of different aspects of 
of, uh, of Head Start, a, a wonderful, necessary program. Organization was called Telemon, who ran it. And I was there for five years and a day. And after that, I went right into, I, I got a job with Lucent Technologies, more in line with the degrees that, that I went to school for. Okay. I do want to go back to the, the other. Now we were, what were we talking about? Oh, with sn- Sam and being sneaky and, <laughs> yes. and all those things. He didn't share. He didn't share that intention that he had at that time back in the 90s. I gathered. He didn't share that for years after till actually a story that he shared with me when he was uh, just before he passed. Mm. He had lupus and that was really mm. getting the best of him. And and uh, visiting in the hospital, he that's when he shared that story with me. Very good. Mm-hmm. That's, he definitely was a little bit sneaky, wasn't there he? There you go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So you said you uh, you tend to even do some plumbing around Crystal Ray as well, uh, <laughs> along with meeting people, talking with people, and I would imagine there's got to be a lot of reward to what you do from time to time. Oh my gosh. What is the most rewarding part of this? Well, the most rewarding part of it is that you're helping people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in a corporate environment, it's all about shareholder value and how much you're affecting you know, the profits or that bottom line. What we're doing in the nonprofit sector is we are, we are helping people and families. And, you know, whereas it couldn't be anything more rewarding than that. When you know that you had a small part in helping someone over a difficult period of time, it's incredibly rewarding. Mm. Yeah, I could see where that would be. Do you find when you're trying to measure success and say, Hey, I'm making a difference. Is it the numbers that count or is it those stories? It's the stories that count. It's, it's all about people. It's these, these are people and it's uh, contradictory to what they're probably teaching us in business school at the master's level there. You can't, uh, you can't fit everything in an ROI, you know, return on investment statement. We're not a manufacturer producing cogs, right? We are, helping people where they're at with whatever needs and everyone is different everyone is unique and everyone deserves the opportunity to work with someone that's willing to help because the thing is is sometimes that interaction can only take a couple minutes other times it could take uh you know much longer and and multiple visits so it's a it's a hard measurable behind numbers but even though we do collect numbers and we have pretty impressive numbers. It's part of just being a part of the world, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. So how do you measure success in that capacity? Um, from the data gather capacity, you know, we measure success in that uh, understanding that our little medical practice, we're helping 2,400 uh, individual people who are patients of our practice doing about 11,000 patient visits a year. Uh-huh. And we... Uh, we don't put any type of cap on the Medicaid and Medicare population, which most practices are forced to do that. That reimbursement level at the Medicaid, Medicare level, just to simplify things and to simplify this conversation, equate to about half of what traditional commercial insurance would cover in a benefit. Understood. Understood. You have a very positive demeanor about you. Um, Thank you. I enjoy talking with you. I struggle with positivity a lot of the times, keeping myself positive. Do you find that's a natural trait for you? Do you feel like it's a learned thing? Well, I think 
I know that I have much to be grateful for, mm-hmm. and that helps. Um, that helps to be positive. I love the work that we're doing. I see the benefit of our work, so it it, it helps to stay positive there as well. And honestly, um, and I'll include this with a lot of my nonprofit partners here. We're so busy that you know what? Um, let's hold on to you know a philosophy that I have. Well. I remember the positive and I forget the negative. So if you're always in the positive space, you'll, you'll be there. Awesome. Well, we all struggle. Awesome. I'm assuming that you can't ever run short of volunteers or, or people on the outside uh, being a part of what you do. So how would, how would somebody get involved? Well, um, we have our, our, our point of contact, uh, Simone Ponce, who could uh, help connect you into volunteer opportunities. But absolutely, nonprofits, ours, no exception here. We rely heavily on volunteers. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the components or some of the programs at the center, um, our, our clothing closet, for instance, that is totally operated by volunteers. Our personal needs pantry, totally operated by volunteers. I only have a couple paid kitchen staff, but the rest of the folks involved there are volunteers and they, they're, they're sprinkled throughout the center. We rely on them greatly and appreciate their commitment. I will say, and I've, I've heard this uh, firsthand as well, is that these volunteers get a lot out of what they're doing. You know, there's just as much joy in giving as there is in receiving. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It reminds folks that, you know, that we're, I mean, we're all human. We're all, we're all folks just trying to uh, make it happen for, for ourselves. And that sometimes we fall into challenging situations. They're also reminded that no one chooses to be poor. No. no one chooses to to not have the resources that they need. There's no parent out there that says, I want my child not to have these basic needs. Hmm. There are unfortunate things that happen. There are people trying to right in the ship. And um, people who end up volunteers start recognizing exactly that. Yeah, I, I would even uh, go ahead and extend on that and find that very often the the giving actually even is more rewarding for sure than the receiving. Absolutely. CristoRayCommunity.org is the website if you want to check it out. I will have that up on the podcast portion of this uh, episode as well. And uh, Joe, I want to say, I do have one more question for you before we go, but I do want to say thank you very much for everything you do as well as CristoRay here in the community. Oh, absolutely. All right, let's uh, go ahead and finish with the question that I ask of all of my Shining Star guests, and that is, if you had the ability to snap your fingers and put one thought into the collective consciousness of the entire human race at the same time, what would that thought be? We're all called to do action. We all have a part to play in making this world a better place, so let's do it. Stop talking. Let's do it. My only thing is, is how do I recognize when that happens? You tell me. <laughs> well, I, I think that when we can openly call each other brothers and sisters. There right you there. go. That's what I'm talking about. Joe, do me a favor, snap those fingers and make it happen. There you go. Remember, we can all contribute something good to this world. No matter how big or how small, a simple smile or a friendly gesture is all it takes to expand positivity one inch further. Thanks so much for listening to Shining Stars and, of course, sharing your time with me today. I'm Dedalian, and you can listen to this episode of Shining Stars On Demand, along with other LCC Connect programs at lccconnect.org. 
examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Coming in April to the Black Box Stage, Lansing Community College Performing Arts presents Tartuffe, a classic comedy play written by Moliere. This play revolves around Tartuffe, who is a fraud and pious imposter that manages to win the respect of a prominent household, only to follow up with scandalous deeds. Tartuffe will be featured April 12th through the 16th. For more information, visit lcc.edu slash show info. The Adult Enrichment Program at LCC offers classes in watercolor, creative welding, motorcycle safety, photography, and more. All classes are non-credit. Information about the Adult Enrichment Program is available at lcc.edu slash keeplearning. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. You're listening to Art Happens Here, the podcast that explores the often curious and occasionally amazing art installations on, in, and around the campuses of Lansing Community College. I'm your host, Bruce Mackley. Well, I'm welcoming back um, the program chair of our art and design program, uh, Professor Brian Bishop, who has contributed widely to the beautification of Lansing Community College's campuses. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. Glad to be here. Wonderful. Yeah, we've had some talk, and uh, today I'd like to explore some of these, uh, two of that that I know of, uh, the uh, the large metal installations uh, that adorn, I think one is on the Gannon Building, and then there's another one on the other side of Carnegie UC. Um, I'm going to let you take it from here a little bit. I don't have any specific questions other than to the listeners, they're very colorful, they're very eye-catching, and they're in line with his other work. They have a very timeless quality. So what was your process? Well, on both of them, the process was, first of all, uh, Dr. Knight uh, indicated where he wanted the work to be. And so the one on the, the Gannon wall was fairly easy to work with because it was just a big brick wall. And I didn't really have to worry too much about you know, wind or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so that one started off and that one is, well, the two, those two big ones are my favorites. I, I I have a hard time choosing between the two of them. That one was one that was called portal and it was, it ended up being like a door inside a door inside a door conceptually for me, but it took me a long time to get there. And this is built on, two levels. There's a uh, 10 foot by 10 foot background. It's actually two five by 10 panels put together. And then there's a four by eight that sits centered on that. And the design works so that it reads like it just passes through. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it really was more of uh, just a door in a door in a door. And you could kind of just keep going back and have a little shape up at the upper. It could be a tree. Mm-hmm because we were right by the park over there. And the whole concept came up. I really didn't know what I was going to do when I started with that. Mm -hmm. And I had looked at, I was thinking about sails, my original, uh, as in sailboats. Mm -hmm. And my thought was to do 
just these big, huge sail-shaped things. And it's like, you know, you know, the Viking journey and sure. or whatever. And uh, it was a little too, uh, a little too much for Dr. Knight's taste. Uh, and it was a little out there, but anyway, it was mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we kind of got back down to more of the geometry of things. And I made like over 10 to 12 pretty good prototypes mm-hmm. of this that I then presented to Dr. Knight and a few of the other people he had working with him on this. And it was like, yep, that's it. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So then uh, I had to select the colors and we went with auto body paint yeah. uh, because it would last. It would, it would withstand sun, the winter, uh, well, better than most. And so uh, we managed to get that done and it was commercially painted and it was fabricated and it came back and, one day I get an email from Dr. Knight and he says, it's up. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And it's like, what's up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> going yeah. running down there. Yeah. And, oh, it was, it was so fantastic to see it in person because I never, I didn't think it would look that as, as good as it did to me. Yeah. Well, you yeah. answered one of my next questions was whether that was professionally painted that you maybe did the art on a computer and handed off or that you were with a spray yeah. can and tape and stuff. Oh, no, no, that yeah. was professionally done. Uh, the process on that was uh, we had the design and that was done digitally. And then I hand drew uh, the spec drawings for the the designer, the, the builders. So there was a, it was three panels and that fabrication, I just kind of gave a brief indication of what you could do. And it's just bent, bent metal. Uh, and then for the painters, they indicated what colors needed to be where and kind of drew that out for them so they could mask it and put dimensions on it so they had all their their scales and everything and it worked worked great sure sure well one clarification i want to make to anyone who's not familiar with dr knight uh, brian's referring to uh dr brent knight uh, president emeritus of lansing community college for maybe 16 years i should have the stat in front of me um, Dr. Knight was brought on board as a marketing guru and much of that translated into placemaking and which translated into campus beautification and elevating our uh, value proposition, if you want to hear a buzzword that's often com- commonly used in marketing. Um, so he would typically bring, you know, bring people in that were already part of, of the teams here and he would plant a seed and, or he would strike a match and then he would sit back and, and just let us do our thing. And it was very, very uh, otherworldly at the beginning, but it was, it was wonderful. So one thing that did strike me coming down Grand Avenue in this bleak time, and we're recording this in late February, mid-February, where everything is a single color outside, you know, driving up and, and seeing that there, you know, it just that, that those bright colors just coming to life, it's uplifting. You know, there's no other way to, there's no other word I can think of to, to you know, to attach to that. Well, the one over on the other side of Carnegie is a bit bigger. Yes, that is... Uh... 16 panels. I think they were four by five foot each. Uh, That one presented some engineering uh, problems in that the, the, what we were going to put it on was basically just an open meshed uh, aluminum uh, barrier. It was put up there to, to, so you weren't seeing some very ugly mechanical equipment that was sitting outside. Right, right, right. Camouflage, and, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. it was just kind of up there, and, and uh, Dr. Knight 
thought that that should have something on it. And the problem was is if we did it with just one or two solid pieces, because the wind can whip through that thing, mm-hmm. it would become a sail. And I don't care how well we attached it, if you got a good enough wind, it was going to leave. Yeah. Uh, so we had, I had to work with a, a design concept that I could put in, in pieces. And I, I did a number of designs. I had a waterfall out there for a while that was just metal coming down. Yeah. And uh, it just didn't, it wasn't right. Yeah. And uh, we went back and forth for a good month. And I, I made so many different, different concepts uh, and drawings for him. And, we, and I didn't feel that good about them either. And it's an interesting point of how this one came about on... Uh, the day after the election in 2016, I'm not going to be political, but the day after I came into uh, school, I had an eight o'clock class and there was this one young man just dejected and moping and almost in tears sitting on the bench in front of my classroom. He wasn't in my class and I didn't know him. And he was just like, he just opened up to me about how unhappy he was with the situation. And I just, I said to him at the time, yeah, I've seen a lot of these. It really doesn't matter. It, it'll all be good. <laughs> you know, just trying to be kind to him. And then I was after class, I started thinking about that. And it's like, mm-hmm, there's my theme there. That uh, the idea of, of this being on the, the old Carnegie Library. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea that knowledge is, is everything. That knowledge, and especially in an educational institution, mm-hmm. we represent what is good. We represent what is right and Knowledge doesn't, knowledge changes, but the fact that truth is, is truth. Truth is truth. You and can't, doesn't science change. doesn't, science doesn't change with your opinion. Right. Yeah. And so it, it became the, the, and all of a sudden it was like, yep, sunrise, sunset. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so the, the, the piece's name, the full long name is sunrise, sunset, a mountain does not move. I love it. And it was really about that, you know, sun's coming up tomorrow, yeah. moon's coming up. The buildings may not be here, mm-hmm. but the, the thoughts that are encased or were encased in that building remain. It'll yeah. be all right. Yeah, that's true. Now, you never thought you'd get a mechanical engineering degree, did you? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's no. interesting. No. I, I, I thought I was going to be an engineer until I got, yeah. I got my first touch of trigonometry and that, pretty, <laughs> that changed right. everything. Right. Yeah. These works, it's worth mentioning. I mean, they're all one-offs. It starts out as an idea and then you have to figure it out. I mean, one of our other sculptures that, you know, this thing was way beyond the proportion of our previous experience and it was handed off to an architecture firm. And I remember the architect telling me they had to factor in if a 200 pound man were to climb up to the top of one of the parts of the sculpture and wave it back and forth, that it wouldn't break. 35 feet off the ground. I mean, you have to think that way, you know? Uh, so yeah, it's all different and it's all good. And, uh, things do change, but that one of the things is they say the same too. And knowledge, knowledge is a big deal. Education's a big deal. Um, yeah, I came here and, uh, I remember I struggled when I first came here from, from the agency side of things and struggled with time and getting developing a new rhythm to how I worked you know and I remember a friend of mine saying you know at least you're doing something that matters you're not making money for some guy out on a golf course like me so 
that's when it all like came into focus for me. So, um, anything else? Do you have any other metal up anywhere else? Uh, well, there's a few pieces on Die Bond beyond the uh, their interior pieces, beyond the one in the uh, commons. Yeah, one is in a stairwell coming up to the second floor in Gannon, too. Uh, and that was one that, uh, it's okay. I, it's not one of my favorites, but it was kind of one of those things. Sometimes Dr. Knight had an idea, mm-hmm. and sometimes he didn't. True. And you got your own, you, you did your own thing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it, it it worked, but it uh, I it's it doesn't have good lighting and everything. So it's you know it's kind of yeah. eh. you're too hard on yourself. You <laughs> you know I was going to tell you before our interviews you need to take it easy on yourself. All right. Well I yeah I, I I do have a tendency to be a little hard on myself, but you know that it uh, yeah you're right. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. great artists, <laughs> and if you're your own worst critic, then the world can take a hike, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I listen. Um, Again, it's been remarkably cool talking to you and, and going over this. And I, I can tell we need to be out pouring a drink and talking more yeah. about artwork in the future yeah. because uh, I'm specifically curious about the teaching end of it and sending sending young creatives out into the world equipped with the knowledge that you pass on to them, yeah. which is would, which would really – one more question, I guess, before we, we part is uh, legacy. Um, how do you feel about legacy and what – what you're leaving behind and what may be hanging and will be hanging 50 years from now and how it affects people then. I, I try not to think about it too much on the artwork side because again, I am my worst critic mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, if, if it's still up, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, the legacy that I, I, that I, I'm thinking of taking forward is I've taught for over 30 years here and I don't. I certainly didn't reach every student that I taught, but I know that I've I've touched a few mm-hmm. that uh, were able to take it and and become professional artists and and, and good ones in their own right. That's amazing. Um, but there's also the the people who really never you know they're just taking you know a drawing class for fun. Yeah. And just all of a sudden you connect them with something and it takes them a little bit outside of where they were. Mm-hmm. Or it provides them uh, just a different viewpoint on things, and it changes the way they think. Mm-hmm. And hopefully for the better. Sometimes maybe not. I don't know. But mm-hmm. that's that's the thing I think that, that leaving behind that I I can feel pretty good about. Good. Um, yeah, for sure. There's a quote somewhere on the on the power and value of creative endeavor, and I wish I could cite it because it would be perfect to drop in here right now. So. Well, listen, sir, Professor Brian Bishop, it's been a pleasure and an honor talking to you, and uh, I hope you can come back and talk to us in the future. I would be happy to do so. Thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate it. Wonderful. Julia Cameron once said, the creative process is a process of surrender, not control. If you want to check out what I've been talking about, just visit this episode at lccconnect.org. Art Happens Here is a production of LCC Connect. Thanks for lending us your imagination. This is WLNZ Lansing. 
You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.